as we start this new year of 2024, how many of you have made a New Year's resolution? Just a few, okay. On the local news, they reported that 62% uh, of the people feel pressured to make New Year's resolutions. <laughs> so, and 50% though, actually make a change. So think back to last year. How many of you started last year with something that you wanted to change in your life? How many of you would say that? Well, yep, that was me. I wanted to change something. Okay. Um, so how did you do? Good. Okay. Fair. We, it, it, did you notice it kind of went down <laughs> as people got more honest? <laughs> well, well, listen, if you really did well, congratulations. That's really awesome. You, you are in the exception here. Uh, because according to a study of 40 million people, most did not do well. Um, Inc. Magazine wrote about this study and found that the vast majority of us quit our resolutions within just a couple of weeks. And uh, we start out with good intentions, but we just don't follow through. The sad news is that so many of us have goals, but by the end of the year, this year, we'll still probably spend more money than we actually make, we might weigh more than we want to, or we'll still want to read the Bible more than we actually do. So let's talk about those of us who, who want to change and those of us that hope to change and those of us that have at least tried to change um, and some that aren't even sure change is possible. Let, let's just talk about all of that, okay? We're calling this message this, in this first week of Power to Change our series. We're calling this first message, Sick of Being Stuck. So look at the person next to you or be around you somewhere. Just look to someone near you and say, I'm sick of being stuck. I'm sick of being stuck. Okay. <laughs> if you feel like so many of us, you feel frustrated sometimes, exhausted, embarrassed, or even ashamed that there's some things that you really want to change, but you can't change them. And the good news is, you are not actually alone. Uh, that's most of us. In fact, to tell you about somebody that we quote uh, some of his uh, things he's written in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul. He wrote over half of the New Testament, the Apostle Paul. And he knew, too, what it was like to, to try to do the right thing, but to not do it. <laughs> in fact, his words in Romans 7 in that portion of scripture that we're going to read today, give us comfort. So if you have your Bible there by you, go ahead and open it up to Romans. It's in the New Testament. You can tell it's kind of like almost, you know, all the way through the Bible. So you can look at that and follow along. We're going to start at verse 15, Romans 7, verse 15 through 25. I'd encourage you to actually have it open if you can, because we're going to refer back to different stuff as we go here. So I'll begin in verse 15. I do not understand what I do. This is Paul talking. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer myself who does it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. 
Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. So we'll stop right there. So Paul says, hey, I don't really understand myself because I'm, I want to do what's right. But then what did he say? I didn't do it. He says, I don't want to do what's wrong, but I do it anyway. Oh, what a miserable person I am. So I wonder if you can relate to him uh, and really relate to all of us, right? <laughs> I mean, when you feel like that. You, you might ask, what in the world is wrong with me? Why can't I do uh, the things I really want to do? This past year I tried to change, and the year before I tried to change, I did everything they say to do. I set goals. Um, I made vows. I bought the workout clothes. Uh, I put it on my phone calendar. So I would do it. I made a vision board. So you probably say, you know, I did everything I could. But, and we have the right intentions like everybody else, but unfortunately many of us, even with the right intentions, actually have the wrong strategy. We're trying to change, but we're trying to change in the wrong way. And that's why during this time of spiritual renewal, we're going to talk about the power to change. So I have a question again for everybody. How, what do we know about real change? I mean, how does it happen? A lot of dedication. It happens slowly. It happens when you want it, yes? Uh, something else I heard, something else here? Baby steps. Yeah, start off slow, yeah. New, new skills? New skills, okay. So, uh, Real change, I will just tell you, real change is not about behavior modification. It's not about trying to manage the unwanted behavior and holding it back. Paul talks about this. That he talks about the frustration of trying to do it that way. It's not just changing what we do on the outside because real change is about spiritual transformation. That's what he ends that passage with, talking about that. It's allowing God to change who we are on the inside. It's not just outward behavior modification, but real change is that spiritual transformation. And that's why the Apostle Paul said, I'm trying to do what's right, but I can't. And I don't want to do what's wrong, but I do. Then he said, who will free me from this life that's dominated by sin and death? And what did he say? Thank God. The answer's not in my effort or your effort. It's in, not in our outward behavior. The answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord and in the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Uh, there's an author, Jerry Bridges, who wrote a book called The Pursuit of Holiness, and he wrote about three different mindsets uh, and, uh, that followers of Jesus have about how to have change. Okay, the first one is it's God 
then me. The second one, it's God, not me. And the third one, it's God through me. Now, the first, I'll just tell you right away, is a wrong mindset. Many people believe that when it comes to change, it's, it's first it's God, and then it's up to us, it's, and then it's me. It's God, then it's up to me. In other words, God initiates the whole process by drawing him, uh, us to himself. His Holy Spirit woos us, and his grace changes us. We're saved by grace. We're heaven-bound, and God does the work to bring us into that heavenly family. But then we think that God says, oh, and now, good luck. It's up to you. Many of us think that inadvertently we think that it's God, then me, because we think if it's going to happen, it's up to me to make it happen. And it even comes, uh, you know, we even see it in our language and how we talk about it. Here's what these Christ followers might say. Well, I'm trying to stop losing my temper with my kids. I'm really trying. Or I'm trying to stop cussing. Or I'm trying to get closer to God. I'm trying to stop spending four hours a day on TikTok and social media. God, please save me. But we believe that if it's going to be, it's going to be up to us. That's a wrong mindset about how we change. It's kind of partly right, but it's not all right. And so that's why it's wrong. <laughs> the first mindset, God, then me, is not a good mindset. The second one is, it's God, not me. Well, we can all see why that one's not very good. The first one's all about our own effort, and the second one is saying it takes away any effort or responsibility on our part. And there's some Christians who have this mindset, and they think it's God, not them, that uh, it shifts all the responsibility of change in our life to God, that we're just not doing anything. And he has to do everything. Yeah. For example, if it's God, not me, and I don't like my job, I quit. And I say, well, I'm going to quit my job for the glory of God. And he's going to give me a new one. This might not be your best strategy. I'm just going to say, some people have found that out the hard way. Or you might think, you know, I want to get closer to God. But you never read the Bible. Or maybe some people watching online, you haven't even been to church since COVID started. Uh, you're wondering, why am I not close to God? Another one is, another thing is like when you spend more money than you make and over and over again, and, and then what? You, you buy a lottery ticket maybe and say, God, here's your chance to help me out here. I need to win this lottery because then I'll have the money I need. And then we can spiritualize it even further and say, and think about the tithe I can give if you let me win this, you know. Okay, so like I said, there are three mindsets, and the first two are wrong and dangerous. There's God, then me. There's God, then not me. The correct one of these three mindsets is actually, it's God through me. So how do we really change if it's not behavior modification and it's spiritual transformation? It is God through us. The Apostle Paul recognized this amazing principle he said, I'm trying to change, but I can't. I want to do what's wrong, but I, I don't want to do what's wrong, but I do. Who in the world can save me? Only Jesus can. He understood this. So let's see how he processes this in his writing. This is what Paul said. And listen to how he's so humble about this, and he tells us about his dependence on God. He says, 
For I'm the least, in this other passage, he says, I'm the least of the apostles. This is the Apostle Paul who wrote, like, like we said, like half the New Testament. And he's saying he's the least. Um, he wrote the, half the New Testament. He started a bunch of churches. He did all this ministry. He went on these mission trips. And he said, based on my qualifications and all my sin, I'm ranking low in the apostles. I'm not very good. I'm the least of the apostles. I don't even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God before I came to follow Jesus. He's thinking, I arrested and killed people, and he's really humble. And he says, but it's not about my talent. It's not about my education. It's not by my good works and not by my effort. But how then was Paul transformed? By the grace of God. And what we can see here today is that the same grace that saves you is that same grace that can change you. Paul says, by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace was not without effect. In other words, I'm very not very good. I don't deserve this, but the grace of God impacted me, and I am what I am today because of his grace and how it changed me. It did a work in me. And he writes, no, I work harder than all of them. And he did. He, he got up earlier, maybe, right? He stayed up later. He started more churches. He raised up more leaders. He preached the gospel passionately and fearlessly. He was beaten several times. Once almost, he was almost uh, dead. He was whipped. He was snake bitten. He was shipwrecked. And he came back. He was persecuted, and they tried to kill him, but he came back. 2 Corinthians 4, 7-11 says, We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. <clears throat> That's a good thing to remember. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned struck down but not destroyed, we always carry around in our body the, the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. See, he's saying that no matter what he went through, God's all-surpassing power worked in him to get him through all that and to draw him close to him, to God. 2 Corinthians 11.23 is uh, what that verse was we were talking about. Are they servants of Christ? I am more. I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, been exposed to death again and again. And then Paul says, I, uh, you know, that he got through all that. And so he's, he's saying, yeah, I worked harder, but it wasn't me really working. It was the grace of God that was with me. I'm not any good. I don't deserve to be here. But by the grace of God, he did something in me, and his grace was not without effect. That same grace that saved him was the same grace that changed him. The power of the Holy Spirit in his life it was God's power working through him and gave him the power to change from the Paul, the Saul that was persecuting Christians and trying to stop what God was doing. To the Saul who, or to the Paul who had the relationship with God, 
because God stopped him and got a hold of him and drew him to him. Real change is not God than you. And real change is God not you. Real change is spiritual change. It's God working through you. It's not behavior modification. It's spiritual transformation. So now we've talked about all this with spiritual transformation. If that's real change, what does that actually look like? For change to be spiritual transformation, it has to be spiritual. That's why we said, you know, it can't just be us trying and trying to do it because that's in our own power. It has to be spiritual transformation. It has to be spiritual and it has to be empowered by God's spirit not just our willpower. To see real change, to see spiritual transformation, the first thing we need to do is create opportunities to be with God, to create opportunities to grow. This year, as we start out the year at South Oaks Church, we have a time set aside to seek God, to fast. For whatever food you're fasting, it could be meat, it could be desserts, it could be broccoli, but it should be a food you love to eat. So for most of us, we're not going to be fasting kale, right? Okay. <laughs> but for the next 21 days, pick a food that you normally eat and do without that one food item maybe. Or pick a meal you normally eat and don't eat that meal. Or just get rid of desserts. Whatever you feel like that you normally eat, that you're going to notice that you're not eating that anymore. And so then when you're thinking, oh, man, I wish I could eat that food, uh, it's a call to you from God to pray and seek him. Ask him to draw you close to him, to speak to you about what he has for you and give you victory in any area that you need. We also want to, as we create these opportunities, we want to schedule times to pray, not just hope we'll have some each day, but schedule time then. Go above and beyond the prayer at meals and in our quiet time, but pray even more. Uh, maybe you want to come Saturday at 10 a.m. to the special prayer time. I would encourage you to do that. When the church will gather together here in the worship center and pray for what God has for us this year and pray and ask him for miracles, for healing, for restoration, plan to be part of that time if you can. In your life, you need to plan times to be with God. You need to make it part of your schedule. It's God working through you, but you need to create that opportunity for that to happen. You need to uh, plan to spend time with God. Make it part of your schedule. Be part of church services, Bible studies, and making time at home to read the Bible, to pray and spend time in God's presence and worship Him. One of the things we um, have is a, a handout that we're going to hand out right now about how, you know, decide how you're going to participate in the fast, a little note about what fasting is, and then the benefits of seeking God through a time of prayer and fasting. And then there's room here at the bottom for you to write down things that you might want to set as what you're believing God to do in your life in 2024. There's also on the back table, there are some books there for journaling. And as you're having your times of devotion, as you're spending time creating opportunities, reading and pr praying and fasting, reading the word, 
um, I encourage you to get one of those journal booklets there and journal what God is speaking to you. Maybe you read a verse and you think, oh man, that verse is so good. And you just write down what verse that was and write what God told you about that verse. Or maybe you felt like God spoke to you something else beyond that. Write that down too. And as you go through the day, as you're kind of thinking about what you had in your time of devotions, just kind of meditate on what God uh, has for you and think about it through the day. That's creating opportunity for God to really speak to you. The second thing, if we want spiritual uh, transformation, is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. If you want spiritual transformation, it can't happen without the Holy Spirit's power in your life. Jesus knew this, and he was talking to the disciples after he had risen from the dead and before he went back to heaven. Acts 1, 4, and 5, it tells us on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then verse 8, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. See, Jesus told the disciples they needed that baptism or filling of the Holy Spirit or they would not be able to do what he commanded them to do. And that's the same for us today, too. We need that power, that filling of the Holy Spirit in our life to be able to, to change, to be more like Jesus Christ, to be able to overcome areas that are um, holding us back in our walk with God. Zechariah 4, 6 in the Old Testament even says about this. So he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord God Almighty. So to follow Jesus and to live righteous lives, to really see God working in us, it's only going to happen when we allow the power of God, that Holy Spirit, to work through us. The third thing we want to do as we look for spiritual transformation is to listen to God. And as we enter this new year, we have plans, we have goals, but we don't know what the new year is going to bring. So it's important to listen to what is God saying to you through the Bible. And at the beginning of the year, like we've talked about before, uh, in, in the Jewish calendar, they had a time at the head of the year, Rosh Hashanah, they still celebrate this, the Rosh Hashanah. And it's uh, a time to dedicate that year to the Lord, a time to uh, set in motion the things that we want to see God do in our lives. And so as we spend this time at the beginning of the year, we want to dedicate it to the Lord. We want to listen to God and hear what he is saying to us and ask him to put in motion the things in our life that he would like for us for this year. Um, we want to see what is he speaking through the Bible as we read through scripture, as we listen to him there. But also sometimes you know when you read the word of God and you just, after you read, you just sit and, and meditate on that verse. You get more. God is speaking to you in your heart, telling you more. And, and so we want this as well. And that's why in those journals, go ahead and write those things down as God is telling you, speaking to you. Because as we go through the rest of the year, you may want to go back and read over again those verses that were meaningful and what God spoke to you. 
We want to get away from all the busyness of the day, at least at some point in that day, and still ourselves before God. Uh, if, you, if you think that you can say, look, God, I've only got five minutes, so you better speak quick. I can guarantee you are not going to get all that God has for you. Um, you need to set aside some time to meet with God and listen to what he has. And don't try to just squeeze it in and think you're going to get a lot out of it. Especially during these 21 days, you need to plan to be in the presence of God. You need to listen to what he has for you. What we want to do at those, in those times is start out by worshiping him. You know, there's some great psalms that, that David does that. He starts out by worshiping God, telling God all the things that his attributes, how awesome, how wonderful he is. And um, we want to do that as we come before God. Just before you do anything else, just start by worshiping him. Maybe you even want to put on some worship music and just sing a song of worship to the Lord. And then just thank him for who he is. His majesty, his holiness, his goodness, his kindness, his salvation, and his deliverance, his mercy, his grace. And then be still before him after you've read the word. Listen, what is God speaking to me? Tell Jesus, Lord, I want to hear from you. What would you what do you want to tell me today? And and listen and read his word. Psalm 37, 7 says, Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. See, as we come before him, we want to be we want to still our ourselves, our spirits. We want to open ourselves to hear from God and ask him to speak to us. And then wait to see what he says. Psalm 143.10 says, Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. May your good spirit lead me on level ground. That's the thing. The Holy Spirit's going to lead us. When we listen to what God is putting in our heart, when we are uh, either reading or praying, uh, reading the word or praying, God's going to speak to us and show us the way to go. If you've got a really tough day at work, and you're thinking, how am I going to handle this? Pray and, and, and claim this verse. Lord, you said that you're going to teach me to do your will and that your Holy Spirit's going to lead me on level ground. Lord, show me what you, what I need to do right here. Or maybe it's a problem with uh, someone in your family or a friend or a neighbor. Lord, I just need to know what to do. What is your will here? So take a moment and think right now. During this time of spiritual renewal, what is it that you would ask God to help you to? Maybe you want to restore a relationship. Or you want to overcome an addiction. Or you want to read your Bible more regularly. Uh, it could be anything. Just take a moment and think, what is it that, that I would want to change? And to overcome those issues, to overcome those areas that you're having trouble in, uh, remember, it's God's power through us. Christ in us stronger than the wrong desires. Christ in you is stronger than the wrong desires in you. And Paul said, I'm the least, but his grace was at work in me. I did everything I could, yet it was his grace through me. Real change is always going to be God working through you. We have to be in agreement with it and, and join with him in that. But it's his power through us. It's not just us trying to 
push down all those bad things that you know, I don't want to do it and I'm still trying to do it. I wish I didn't have to. It's not just that. That's a struggle. I mean, that's really a struggle. What we want to do is God say, is say, God, I need to see you work in me and get rid of that. Get rid of that desire. Help me overcome that. If you want to change your behavior but you don't change your heart, the behavior is going to come back. And real and lasting change is a reflection of God's power through you, the Holy Spirit's power working through you as you work out your salvation. That's what that's talking about in Philippians 2.12. Therefore, my friends, as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. It's allowing that power of God to work through you so that the heart changes and then the outward behavior changes. That's why the same apostle Paul who said, I want to do the right thing, but I don't. Who can help me? Thank God Jesus can. And yet I'm the least of all these. I'm not good enough. I know that. But God's grace on me was not without effect. It changed me. I still do everything, but it's not me. It's his grace through me. When you don't have the willpower and you don't have the strength and you fail again like we all do, I mean, all of us have days, right? <laughs> We're going to be honest. God says, you know what? My power works best in weakness. Paul said, I'm all the more glad to boast about my weakness. Why? So that the power of Christ can work through me. So it's not God and not me. It's not God and then me. It's God through me. Over and over, God through me for me. If you find that area where you can't change, what you want to do is, is pray and say, God, this is an area I'm having trouble in. I'm weak. And he says, my power will be made perfect in your weakness. And if you mess up, remember, he just wants to draw you back. His grace will change and his grace will forgive and his grace will strengthen because it's not about behavior modification. It's about real spiritual transformation the cool thing is Jesus didn't just come to make us better he came to rescue us to save us to change us to free us that's who he is and the verse that I can uh, tell you to claim in this is that the son who the son has set free is free indeed who the Son has set free is free indeed. So as we begin this year, remember, real change, God working through us. We stand as we close. So a lot of you I know, um, you know, you've seen God change a lot of things in your life already, and, and you really see God working and moving, working through you. But I've just asked you, is there something... That as we look at this next 21 days, there's something in your life that you would say, there's still something in me that needs to change. Everybody just bow your heads, please. And if that's you, you would say, yep, there's still something in me that needs to change. If you just raise your hand. Thank you. If you will commit to taking these next 21 days 
and, and uh, create opportunities to be in, in God's presence, to seek him, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and to listen to God. If you'll commit to that, raise your hand. Thank you, Lord. Father, we just thank you that this example from Paul, a, a man who was a spiritual giant, who was an amazing man of God, and yet he said, you know what, I still have struggles. But who can save me? It's Jesus. It's the power of the Holy Spirit working in my life. Father, we pray that you would do a work in us. We ask that your Holy Spirit would move in us today. And that we would surrender not to our power, but to your power, your grace working through us. Father, I pray that you would help us see that real change isn't just changing our behavior. Real changes, you change in our heart, working in our, our heart. God, help us to find the spiritual power, your spiritual power working in us. Help us to become more like your son, Jesus Christ. We pray, Lord God, that as we go through these 21 days, that you would just lead and guide us. You would speak to us, Lord. We pray, Father, for there to be um, miracles that happen, for there to be healing, for there to be restoration, for there to be freedom and deliverance. Lord God, I pray for an amazing time as we seek you as in this time of spiritual renewal, that you would give us the power to change in Jesus' mighty name. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.